Hello, everyone, and welcome to Gay Men Going Deeper, a podcast by the Gay Men's Brotherhood, where we talk about personal development, mental health, and sexuality. Today, we are your hosts. My name is Michael Diorio. I'm a life and wellness coach specializing in sexuality, relationships, and self-confidence. Joining me is Matt Lansiddle. Matt is an intuitive life and spiritual coach and counselor focusing on healing and empowerment. We each have our own coaching practices, but in this podcast, we're sharing all of our best stuff. Today, we are talking about sex and intimacy. Now, this is such a juicy topic that we've decided to split it up into two episodes. So there's one this week and then one being released next week. Today, we're going to be talking about the basics of sex and intimacy, the differences between them and where they overlap in that beautiful thing we call sexual intimacy. We're also going to talk a little bit about sex positivity and what that means exactly. In the next episode, next week, we're going to dive deeper into intimacy because we want to help you increase your capacity for intimacy. So we're going to be talking about intimacy avoidance and how to overcome the fear of intimacy. So we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you. But first, a couple of reminders. Uh, We will be continuing this discussion on the last Thursday of the month in the Gay Men's Brotherhood Zoom Hangout. This is where we give you guys a chance to share your own thoughts on the topics that we discuss here in the podcast. So go to Facebook and join the Gay Men's Brotherhood group and check out the events tab to RSVP. Reminder that this podcast and YouTube channel are listener and viewer supported. So if you enjoy what we are creating here, you can support us by making a donation to the show using the link in the show notes. You could also subscribe to get early access to episodes on Apple Podcasts, and all of your support helps us to continue making content and supporting our community. So we thank you very much in advance. And if you're looking to accelerate your personal development journey, please check out our coaching collection. It includes our two courses, Healing Your Shame and Building Better Relationships, plus over 45 premium personal development coaching videos on the topics of body positivity, relationships, self-confidence, and community. So check out Gay Men Going Deeper for more information. Okay, let's jump in. Sex and intimacy, such a huge topic. This is, uh, I think I'm speaking for Matt as well, uh, our favorite, some of our, our, our favorite content. And so we get to go uh, deeper into it today. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna start off by <clears throat> kind of defining the differences and the similarities of these things using a, a bit of a Venn diagram uh, analogy here or visual. Keep in mind that um, all of this content that I'm about to say here is from our Building Better Relationships course. Uh, in module three, lesson two, there's an actual lesson called Sex and Intimacy, and this is all available in our coaching collection. So if you like what we're talking about here, definitely recommend go check that out. Okay, so sex and intimacy are used interchangeably, but they are in fact not the same thing. So I want you to imagine a Venn diagram. That's those two circles with a little bit that overlaps. Um, So you could have intimacy without sex, and you could have sex without intimacy. Or you could have sexual intimacy, which is the part of the circles that overlap. Now, sex, pretty clearly cut, is a physical act. It can be intimate, but it does not have to be. It's a relational experience, yes, but not necessarily an intimate experience. Okay, so that's sex. Intimacy is, I describe it as a feeling more than anything. Not all intimacy is sexual, nor is it even physical necessarily. And I describe intimacy as the feeling of being safe, comfortable, and emotionally connected with another human being. And then that overlap, those parts where the two circles overlap, is sexual intimacy. So this is the kind of sex that is also intimate, 
or you can say it's the kind of intimacy that includes sex. Now, here's the thing I want to get through to everyone here. All of these are valid, right? They're all great things. The question is really, which one are you craving and which one is right for you? So mm -hmm. sex without intimacy might look like casual sex, um, anonymous sex, random hookups, that kind of thing. Uh, sexual intimacy is, you know, sex with intimacy. And then intimacy without sex could look like, you know, cuddling or having an emotional connection with somebody without it necessarily being about sex. And all of these things are wonderful and great, right? We're not, we're not saying well, one is better than the other. It's really a question of what do you want? And then aligning your actions to that. So what I see a lot with my clients is that they crave the umbrella term of connection. They want connection. Okay. But they kind of get stuck in a loop of casual sex. And I want to also, you guys to know that this was my story for years. I've talked about this on the podcast many times, craving connection, but it being easier for me to find sex. Uh, sex was easier than intimacy. It still is actually. I find intimacy still has a lot more challenges to it than finding sex. And I mean, I live downtown Toronto. It's fairly easy to find here. Um, and I know this is the case for a lot of others as well. And we're going to get a little bit more into that next week uh, in the next episode. But when it comes to craving connection, I want you to think of being hungry. The analogy I like to use is you could be hungry. Sure. Like, okay, I want, I want connection. I'm hungry. But do you want a seven course meal, a delicious seven course meal, or do you want a bag of chips? The chips are probably easier. You can just walk to the corner store, grab a bag of chips, come home, eat, eat them on your couch and, and you'll still, it'll fill the void. You'll be like, okay, I'm not hungry anymore, but will it feel satisfying in the long run? That's the question versus let's say a seven course meal being intimacy in this analogy. It takes time. It takes planning. It takes effort. It takes work. You don't get that gratification right away. Like you do with sex. You have to kind of do a lot of work for it. So I think what ends mm -hmm. up happening, at least in my case, I'm like, well, bag of chips is right there. I'm going to get that. But yeah, sure. It fills the void temporarily, but it's not actually, I, I, I leave, I left feeling, feeling maybe regret or not fully satisfied. And then I end up stuck in like, hey, I'm hungry again. Now what do I do? And then I end up stuck in that, in that pattern. So that's a little brief overview of how I want to set us up today. And then I'm going to pass it over to Matt uh, to ask you the same question. Matt, how do you differentiate between sex and intimacy and the overlap? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just want to say I'm, I'm excited to be here. Um, it's strange to not have Callan here. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but it feels good to be here with you. And um, this, this is these these two areas are really in our wheelhouse. I know that you're you're also good at, at teaching people with uh, around intimacy as well. But your your wheelhouse is sex positivity, and I feel like this is an area that you teach people a lot. And my area is uh, very much about intimacy and teaching people how to move through the fear of intimacy. And um, so the the fact that we get to co-create this beautiful episode, I'm very happy. Love it. Um, so I think for me, you know, I use the, in a lot of these episodes, I use the domains of like physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And I'll, I'll pull those in again, because I see, um, I see sexual as, like you said, more of a physical act. Um, it's an exchange sharing, um, the physical body, um, that can also be vulnerable too, right? So there's an element of intimacy that's required in that um, as well. Um, if intimacy is about being seen, right? And being vulnerable and being authentic, um, we're, we're being intimate with our bodies. Our bodies are being intimate with each other. Um, and then the intimacy um, I see as this more of an exchange of our mental, our emotional and our spiritual um, parts of our being. 
And I also want to note here that we're talking and today we might, there might be an undertone of intimacy and romance being crossed over, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's, this can be platonic or romantic. So I want yeah. you to kind of think about that today because we can share intimacy with our friends. Um, we can also share sex with our friends and it doesn't have to be romantic. Um, so both, both of them are, are going to be talked about today. Um, and then Sexual intimacy is this overlap between them. It's where we're bringing all of our being into an exchange with somebody. So we're sharing our body, we're sharing our mind, we're sharing our heart, and we're sharing our soul. And uh, that is the sweet spot for me. This is, that's the yumminess. I love that. I I, I share a lot of intimacy with my friends. Um, and I share a lot of, I, I share sexual intimacy with men that I'm interested in romantically. Um Sex isn't something that I'm I'm interested in um, per se. I I require the intimacy aspect in sex. That's what makes me demisexual um, and sapiosexual. So, but I I do define myself as sex positive. But it's probably a little different than how other people who are not demisexual would define sex positivity. So I'm looking forward to unpacking uh, what that means to me. But uh, yeah, that that feels good for now as far as my definitions of each. Yeah. How would you define intimacy in like one sentence? Like, mm, I wrote it down. So, um, okay, my definition of intimacy, sharing ourselves with another in an authentic way that allows us to be seen and experienced in the truth of who we are. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah. So my How one sentence you? is an equation. Um, it's the okay. intimacy equation, which I use, which is intimacy equals authenticity plus vulnerability. Yeah. Or those two things meet is, 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 is intimacy. And I can explain a little bit. So authenticity is basically the way I'm describing it here is just being honest and present mm -hmm. with, with another person about who you are. The vulnerability piece is letting your guard down just a little bit outside of your comfort zone again with another person. So anytime you do that, anytime you are authentic and you let your guard down a little bit to the point where it feels vulnerable, has to, you have to have that emotional risk involved. That is like a little micro piece of intimacy. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's the, at the end of the day, I, you know, I like to make things as like concise as possible, but that's how <laughs> I like to use it. It's if you have, as soon as you have authenticity and vulnerability, you're, you're at a space where you can have intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, <clears throat> do we want to talk about intimacy? Like what it is? We'll kind of go sure. into that now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's do that. I can, I can share the, the different types of intimacy, which I've shared on this podcast before, Perfect. but it's worth, okay. it's worth doing again. Okay. Um, so it's worth knowing that there are many ways we can have our intimacy needs met. Now, a lot of us will turn to sex to do it, and that's fine. But remember that not all intimacy is sexual, nor is it physical. So I'll go over briefly the four different kinds of intimacy to give to give everyone out there an idea for what this might look like outside of physical. So the first type is experiential. This is the kind of closeness and intimacy that is developed from sharing new experiences with another person where you're both kind of slightly going outside of your comfort zone. Um, so for example, going on a vacation somewhere new together, taking a road trip that neither of you have been on, uh, maybe starting a, a home DIY project or some kind of project together or learning a new hobby. Let's say you're going to go learn a new language together that neither of you know. So it's the, it's the bond that is formed from sharing new experiences. That's experiential intimacy. The second type is emotional intimacy. And this is where you can allow yourself and the other person to be vulnerable enough to share your deepest thoughts and your feelings, knowing that it's safe to do so. So all the demisexuals out there, 
get very turned on by this. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, yeah, that, that's a hot one. Um, so, you know, for example, it could be sharing your, your deepest fears, opening up about a past trauma or your childhood, or even just sharing your hopes and dreams for, for the future, things that you maybe keep deep within you and sharing that with another person and feeling safe to do that and letting them, letting them mm. in kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, the next one is intellectual intimacy, which is more mental. It's more of a, a mind stimulation. So for all the sapiosexuals out there, this one's for you. Uh, so this one's exchanging ideas and opinions while allowing room for a respectful disagreement. Um, so that, that part's important. You can disagree and still have a very lightning, enlightening conversation. So some ways to practice intellectual intimacy, something like a game night, a game night, date night. It's fun. Um, starting a side hustle together, that's maybe a bit more intense, but like putting your brains together to like solve a problem and start a side hustle. Uh, one way I love to do it with my friends is we do like movie critiques. So we'll watch movies and then we'll like discuss the merits of the movie and the writing and the cinematography and the acting. And we'll, we'll have those kinds of discussions. It's really fun for me um, to do that. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth kind is physical intimacy. So this is simply about experiencing each other's physical presence doesn't have to include sex. Other ways that you could have physical intimacy that doesn't include sex would be cuddling, my favorite. Uh, Holding hands, a massage, um, discovering each other's erogenous zones, which is more sexual, yes, but not necessarily has to be sex. Or even just dancing, dancing together, right? It's an expression of your body being with each other in that moment. So those are the four types of of intimacy. Um, But again, all of them, whatever you wanna include there, if you put authenticity plus vulnerability, you'll get intimacy. Mm -hmm. Yummy. I love all three or all four. Um, What would you say is, is the one that really gets you going? Intellectual and experiential. Okay. Interesting. What's something experiential that you really enjoy that creates intimacy for you? For me, traveling. Like if, if, as soon as I go to like, as soon as I'm planning a trip, even with somewhere new, like that I haven't been with somebody else, I get really excited. And for me, like it bonds us. It's like, we're both doing, we're in this together, right? Like we're going yeah. to this new place. It's exciting. It's an adventure. What are we going to do? Uh, I love, that. I mean, I love all four, but yeah. I mean, and I'm not including physical because I think that's my, that's where I've, I have probably the most experience and that's where I, I lean on that the most. I think a lot of us do. Yeah. So outside of that, uh, I'd say the intellectual and experiential. Emotional is a bit harder for me, and we'll definitely talk about that. Uh, yeah. that. That one is harder, and I I reserve it for very um, for people that I trust. Yeah, and, and that it takes me a while to get to that point. Yeah, I would actually say the same as a demisexual because for me it's a safety thing. Um, so when I feel safe with somebody to share with them and let them into my emotional world. So like when people think like, oh, I'm a demisexual, like I just throw my emotions around for everybody. It's not like that at all. Like I still have the gates that people need to go through. I let very few people into my emotional world. But when, when I think about this, I think about like the things that really arouse me and get me going, it would be emotional would for sure be number one, like, you know, going on a date with a really emotionally intelligent man. And he talks about, you know, his vulnerabilities and his sensitivities. Yeah. And I'm like, immediately aroused. Like, it's like, that's dirty talk for me. <laughs> so, and then the physical, like, I love playing with Tantra in my relationships. And, um, and a lot of people think like Tantra is sexual, but it's actually not. It's more on the, the sense of playing with energy. And uh, there is a physical element to it for sure, but it's, uh, it's a small piece of it. And, um, you know, eye gazing, 
mm. um, is a really beautiful thing. Uh, very intense. Uh, again, requires safety to be able to do that with somebody. Uh, being in stillness and silence together and letting your souls communicate, letting your nervous systems communicate and not uh, filling the moment with stories um, is something that I really, really appreciate. Um, exper experiential, I would say less so, but still important. Like, um, you know, like creating experiences with somebody because I think what part of intimacy for me too is like this um, accumulation of memory, like making memories together and time. That's so like exactly. going, yeah, and, and having new experiences with somebody because those experiences are really special um, for you and between you two, right? And I think that yeah. that's uh, that's really beautiful. It's like, you know, I kind of envision myself like meeting a partner, growing old together and like sitting on our front stoop, you know, <laughs> in rocking chairs together, like talking about, all the beautiful experiences that we had and reflecting on all of our memories. And, you know, that's something that I want to create in this lifetime. And um, so I can see that that being important to me as well. So that is exactly experiential intimacy. So it's those moments that you remember and it's all about the moments. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's one. that one's up there as well then. Um, okay. I'll go, I'll do my little spiel on what is intimacy. It, it was yeah. really beautiful uh, going through this actually, and just re reflecting on like what it means to me, what intimacy means to me, and just really how important it is to me. Um, because it's something that I never really, a lot of these things are things I never really got in my, in, in my life. Right. And I feel like this is probably why intimacy is so important to me. And it's something that I, I, I really cherish. Um, so as I said, I define it as sharing ourselves with another in an authentic way. That allows us to be seen and experienced in the truth of who we are, right? So I love your equation because authenticity and vulnerability combined are exactly what I'm talking about here, yeah. right? Sharing ourselves, uh, being seen and uh, and being experienced, I think is uh, is really important. So there's an element of witnessing that's very, very important in intimacy. Like we're witnessing each other in all of our parts. Um, the 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 big or the the uh, the beautiful and the air quotes, ugly parts of us, um, we, we get to share. So um, I see it as a set of skills. I don't think it's something that we come into this life innately good at some people perhaps, but I think it's something that we need to learn, right? We need to learn how to show up. We need to learn how to expose ourselves and disclose ourselves. Uh, we need to learn how to move through conflict. Um, so there's, it's definitely something we can, we, we learn and we can develop into being stronger. Um, it's romantic and platonic. Um, and I think the most important thing is that it leads to authentic connection, not just connection, it leads to authentic connection, which is this element of like us being seen, and uh, us seeing somebody else in the most um, genuine and real aspects of who we are. Uh, and I think that's what I crave. That's what I really crave. And, you know, I, I look at the gay culture and there's a lot of inauthenticity. There's a lot of perfectionism. There's a lot of us putting forward. And I, I'm just as guilty, you know, putting forward only my best parts because of shame and, and, uh, and fear. And then it makes us all feel so disconnected from each other in an authentic way. So I think that's one of my, my, the visions of why, why I'm doing this is to help men become more authentic so they can have more meaningful connection. And, you know, because I see one of the biggest areas that we struggle with as gay men is loneliness. A lot of us are so lonely. And, and you know, I work with a lot of um, like older, mature 
gay men who come from a generation that's way different than mine in the sense of like being gay, they would have got their ass kicked back in the, in the day. So they have learned how to really hide who they are and there's a ton of loneliness and it makes me really sad. So um, one of the, my inspirations around doing this work is to help alleviate loneliness in the community. And I think that we do that by overcoming our fear of intimacy and moving towards um, having more confidence and showing up in, in our authentic ways. So I want to talk about what it requires of us because I think yeah. it's important. Um, the first thing I have here, there's like four things that I came up with, four pillars that I think it requires us. One of them is to show up. So we have to first just arrive. We have to arrive into the connection where we can do this. And most of us are going to arrive terrified, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to just really normalize that it's okay to arrive into an into a connection where there's going to be intimacy, or even sex and be scared. That's completely normal and natural. Um, and one of the best things we can do is just vo verbalize that say, I'm scared. I'm, you know, I don't often do this. I'm not good at this. And bringing voice to it can help alleviate some of the anxieties. Um, so in showing up, it requires us to be seen. It requires us to embrace the unknown. And it requires us to embrace messy action. And this yes. is, yeah, right? I love, I love this that. term. My my beautiful friend, Alyssa, introduced me to this term. I'd never heard of it before until like probably three weeks ago, four weeks ago. And it's it's this element of like life is messy. Relationships are messy. We're messy. <laughs> the world's messy. And we still have to take action. So I think a lot of us, um, we have this mentality, this fixed mindset mentality that you know, I'll take action when everything's perfect. When I, you know, I'll get into the arena when I've got all my armor on and everything's perfect and I'm ready to rock. Life, it, that moment will never arrive. We'll never ever feel fully 100% ready to take action. So I think embracing messy action is such a great mantra when it comes to moving towards um, intimacy because intimacy is very unknown. It's very strange it's it's you know you never know what's going to come out of it and that's the mystery and the beauty of it but it's also can cause a lot of fear for a lot of people so uh so that's the first pillar showing up um the next pillar is we got to face our fears with courage so this requires us to acknowledge uh, that fear is there like i said earlier we have to bring voice to that and uh, i think a lot of us it's like well, I'll speak for myself, like I have my ego has used a lot of denial um, that these things exist, especially fear. Like I, I never want to admit that I'm scared. So I'll be like, oh, I'm not scared. And I'll just trudge through and push through. But my nervous system is speaking a different language than my ego or my mind. And my nervous system is completely terrified. And I'm trying to push my nervous system beyond where it's um, capable of. So I think it's important for me to just really acknowledge that yes I'm scared and it allows me to soften a bit just even uh, by saying that um I, I remember when I was 15 I read I think it's Susan Jeffers the book feel the fear and do it anyway mm -hmm. and that was the very first self-help book I ever read I was 15 and I remember making um a deal with myself that this was going to be the mantra that I lived my life by Feel the fear and do it anyway. So acknowledge the fear and then just feel it. Be with be with the fear and then it will transform, right? When we avoid the fear, that's when it stays stuck in us. So pushing through that fear is essential. Um, and then I think one of the best ways to, 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 move, to cope with that is to recognize what's on the other side of the fear. So if we are lonely, it means that we're letting the fear of intimacy 
get the best of us because it means we're not moving towards connection because we're scared of it. So look at what's on the other side of facing this fear. It's alleviating the loneliness. So you're going to have authentic connection, right? And I think that is where we can focus our attention when we are scared. It's like, okay, I'm moving towards this. This is my why. This is why I'm doing this. And, um, and knowing that there's a lot of amazing connection out there uh, beyond the sexual. I think a lot of us as gay men are really good at the sexual aspect of, of connecting, not all, I think, but, but a lot of, and, uh, and knowing that if we do face this fear, we're going to develop a, a capacity to not only have amazing sex, but to have sex that encompasses all parts of who we are, not just the physical. And I think that's where true, the true loneliness will be alleviated yeah. is when we start to, um, practice sexual intimacy right yeah. which is like the best of best of the best okay so that's the second pillar um the third pillar is it requires us to express ourselves i think this is one of the bigger parts of this um so this is where the vulnerability piece you know you talk yeah. about uh, vulnerability plus authenticity the vulnerability piece is the expression so we need to be vulnerable and vulnerability is is interesting in the sense that it, it requires us to show up and share yes our joy and all the beautiful things about us that's vulnerable too but there's a, the other element of like fears and insecurities it's really really important that we share these parts of us because those are the parts of us that are holding us back and keeping us away from actually being able to move into intimacy in an authentic way so i i wrote down being vulnerable requires us to have needs or sorry to express our needs our desires our fears and our insecurities those are kind of like the four areas that i think are important that help achieve intimacy um and then I think underneath the expression as well as sharing um, our emotions and experiences, because um, I just think, you know, when we're, when we're entering uh, like uh, the, the arena of intimacy, we're going to be sharing like feelings like infatuation and love and lust and these sorts of things. And I think those are really important. Uh, we're also going to be experiencing fear and shame and hurt and these sorts of things so sharing our emotions is really really an important aspect of uh, of intimacy and then i i think expressing ourselves would be you know i, I wrote down it's the opposite of people pleasing because i mm -hmm. think there i do see this a lot in our culture um it's definitely has been a big part of my life as well and i think it's a, a trauma response to um, from feeling like we don't belong or that there's something wrong with us. So we, we fawn, we people please. And I think that nothing will kill intimacy quicker than people pleasing and showing up in an authentic way because it, authenticity or intimacy requires us to be authentic, as you said in your definition as well. Um, last pillar is to be radically honest. And this is, this is part of being vulnerable, but I think it's, it, it's taking it to that next level. Like, you know, there's, and when we're entering uh, the arena of intimacy, we can't hold back. We have to be willing to share all the parts of us, right? And radical honesty is how I, I remember that. I'm like, okay, this is a difficult conversation. I recognize that, but I'm practicing radical honesty. I'll coach myself into saying that because I always notice when I'm in a difficult conversation, my, my, my default or my tendency is to want to people please mm -hmm. uh, or to be inauthentic to kind of just placate the situation to get it over with. But it doesn't ever leave me feeling satisfied and safe to be able to move back into the connection and feel like, okay, I can let my guard down. So radical honesty requires me to speak my truth and be authentic.
So those are my, those are my four pillars. Pillars of intimacy. Yeah. Okay, cool. I wrote them down because I wanted to go back to some of these. So I love these. Thank you for sharing all this. Uh, I love how you kind of put it into nice little organized categories because, you know, I like to do the same. <laughs> yeah. So looking at this, like, yeah, all of these are really scary and really hard. We're making it sound easy, <laughs> but yes. I know for the audience out there, I know that Matt has had a hard time with these, as have I, um, you know. Still we, do. Still we still do. do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we, you know, we've even recently had conversations that have been difficult where I've even said, like, I'm actually shaking. Like, I'm shaking yeah. having this conversation with you. And I still do. My palms get sweaty. Like, it is hard stuff. So I think looking at this stuff, messy action, um, facing your fears with courage, expressing yourself, that honesty, all of the things that you said here, it's really hard. And I think <clears throat> that's why for me, I'm speaking for myself here. Sex for me is easier because that doesn't require any of that stuff. <laughs> I just show up, I do my do. And, you know, I've, I've become kind of used to it and, and I'm okay. I'm okay with expressing myself with my body. That's fine. Expressing myself emotionally is a very different beast. That's yeah. where I have more of the fear. Um, and I don't know, it's not the same for everybody, everybody, but I wanted to kind of bring light to my situation, why I over relied on sex because for me it didn't have you didn't like all these things you listed here matt i didn't have to do any of that i just kind of showed up did my thing and left mm -hmm. but it, it was it was a bag of chips yeah it doesn't satisfy at least that's yeah. what i learned for me like it's nice once in a while sure but at the end of the day what i was really craving at the time at the time i was going through a breakup when i was lonely and i was missing my ex and i was missing him um and i was trying to fill that void with casual sex which were great, nothing against the guys. Uh, but it was kind of me not having that alignment of here's what I really want and here's what I'm filling the void with. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I guess in that way, Matt and I are, are a little bit different, right? Like we're mm -hmm. we're similar in many ways, but I think you are you're definitely more of a demisexual in that regard, whereas I I like the casual sex aspect and in the right moments, not all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, though, because I've even just thinking about everything that we have been that I that we put forward, and then I had to think about this week, I, um, I wasn't always demisexual, and or I wasn't always honoring my demisexuality, I'm still not sure, because but I'm pretty sure I was always demisexual, but I was dishonoring that, because I was going along with the community. And what I thought the community wanted of me and what I recognized is that there was a lack of, of ability or capacity for intimacy in our community. So I just went for whatever. And I was dishonoring that because I remember like in my intimate relationships, I would always want more. That's the thing. And I would be with guys that couldn't, they didn't know how to have these things. So, and I remember that even before I went through some of my spiritual awakening processes that I still had this, this feeling for more. And that's the demisexual part of me. Right. And, uh, I lived my teens and twenties in the, that, that what traditionally described as sex positive, where, you know, I, I now describe as more hypersexuality and like that, having that domain as the only domain accessible. So that was basically up until I was about, well, probably 30 actually. So most all my, my whole twenties, that's the only arena that I was ever able to engage in. I was terrified of, of actual intimacy and, uh, so I understand for sure. And I think now what has happened is I've swung to the other side of the spectrum and I am, 
I'm so hung up on the intimacy piece that there's elements of me that I'm like, I'm a little bit hesitant to go back into like sex or, or these things because I, it, it's a trust thing. It's a, it's a trust thing for me and it's a safety thing. And it's a, why would I give this person my body, which is it, which is my temple, which is the most precious thing that I have. And I didn't think that before, right? I never thought that before. I was like, oh, this is my body. I'm going to use it to get what I want. And there was this real disrespecting of my body. So I think now that I've connected and I've developed this really almost sacred relationship with my body, I can't just give it over to somebody that I don't know. And I, I think the biggest thing is that I need to know, I need to know that they're a good person. I need to know that they have my best interests at heart. Um, I need to know that, um, you know, there's the, the, there's the, the STI element that plays into this in a big way as well. Um, so there's lots of pieces here. Um, yeah, there's, this, this is a, a very loaded area for me. Um, I'm excited to talk about the, the, the avoidance aspect of it, but, uh, do we want to go into the um, the sex positivity? Yes, I do. But first, space? I think yeah. yeah. Um, for anyone who doesn't who isn't aware of what demisexuality is, we've been talking yeah, about it a bit so. here. Maybe just maybe just give them a quick rundown of what that's about. Yeah. So there's two terms: demisexuality and sapiosexuality. So demisexuality is is uh, somebody who requires emotional connection for sexual arousal, and sapiosexuality is somebody who requires mental stimulation or intellectual stimulation for sexual arousal. So, right. and it's, I would say being a demisexual, it's not about, oh, I can take it or leave it. It's like, it's a requirement. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? And I think even in the demisexuality world, there's a spectrum. I think there's people who are very demisexual and like they're, they won't even be able to get an erection if they're not, if there's not some form of emotional or intellectual stimulation. And then there's people that they, they still could, but they just have a preference for that. So I would say that's important to recognize as well. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I, I would identify more in the sapio, but it's not required. I don't need the mental stimulation, but if, if someone does have that, all of a sudden they might go from like unattractive to all of a sudden very attractive, right? So it does yeah. have a big impact, but I don't require it. Maybe that's the difference. So what I would say then is you're somebody that probably leans more towards um, thriving in sexual intimacy than being a sapiosexual but again like the spectrum is still you could still say i'm a sapiosexual and i'm in the spectrum but i would just be more leaning towards like the beginning uh, of, of the stages because otherwise it's like i think human beings for the most part we're wired to move towards that and that's where i find you know hookup culture and promiscuity and these sorts of things as um i think as people mature and as people get older there tends to be more of a of a leaning towards wanting sexual intimacy as opposed to just wanting sex um that's a generalized statement i want to bring voice to that as well but i do see this like as and i'm seeing that in myself as i get older there's more because i think we we, we know who we are more and we're more connected to ourself in all the domains the physical the mental the emotional and the spiritual and when we connect to all four of those domains in ourself it makes it more we're, we're more prone to wanting to connect with other people in those same domains it's like i have this awareness of who i am on a deep level so yeah. i want to share that with you right so, so but but it could be both 
right? Have your cake and eat it too. That's the beauty of life. Maybe you dabble with, and I think this is more you, right? You dabble with, with sex and you really yeah. enjoy that and you feel safe doing so. And then you also dabble in sexual intimacy. And I think, right. So if that, the, the, the main thing I want to, to take away for today is to be, to honor your most authentic desires, whatever the heck that is for you. It doesn't exactly. matter to me. But if you're if you're if you're not honoring your most authentic desire to have intimacy because you're terrified, work on that, right? Do some work in that area so you can have the capacity. And, and this is my wish for our community is that all of us, every single one of us as gay men can heal enough to the point where we can feel safe to dabble in all the domains that work for our authentic desires, right? So I want to enhance capacity. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's exactly it. And that's why we're here, <clears throat> not just yeah. with this episode, but I think with our entire podcast and even, you yeah. know, uh, the group, the, the Gay Men's Brotherhood Facebook group. Um, yeah. That is that is exactly what would be, I, I mean, imagine how we would treat each other and how we would treat ourselves if we had that. So uh, yeah. I do hope that this episode helps a little bit. Um, so I think, I think let's will. talk a little bit about the sex positivity piece, because there's okay. a big misunderstanding <laughs> mm -hmm. that it's only people use the word sex positivity as a way to be like, oh, I have lots of sex with lots of people. Yeah. That's not what it's about. It could be, but like you had said, it's really about owning who you are as a, as a sexual person and knowing what you want and then aligning your actions to it. So I'm going to, I'm going to intro us off on this um, with a little bit about um, sex positivity and I'm going to borrow it from my sexual empowerment workshop. Uh, the first thing we talk about is sex positivity, adopting a sex positive mindset, and it sets the tone for the whole thing. Um, this is airing, I think, in April, and my next workshop is starting slightly thereafter. I'll put the link in the show notes for anyone who's interested, but it might be full by then. Okay, so I'm going to read the definition so I don't muck it up. So sex positivity is an attitude towards sex and sexuality that regards all consensual sexual activity as healthy and pleasurable. Sex positivity emphasizes ethical sex, mutual consent, open communication, and an honest sex education so that you can make informed choices about your body and how you enjoy sexual pleasure. Mm. So that's the most succinct way I could put it. It's kind of a mouthful. I love that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's not about having as much sex as you possibly can with many different people. It could be yeah. <laughs> as long as it's consensual and all these things, but it's not necessarily about that. Um, at the very core of it, sex is a, is a natural and healthy part of the human experience, right? So there's the spiritual, I say the same thing about spirituality. You are a spiritual being, whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, it's there. You can dabble in it, you can not. Sex is the same way. You are a sexual being, whether you want to be or not, whether you enjoy it or not. Mm -hmm. So for most of us, sex negativity is what we learned. It's the standard we grew up with. We did not grow up with a sex positive environment, right? Now, for me, it was Catholic, Italian. Um, that was my growing up. And then even in, even within gay culture, I would say that that's not necessarily sex positive either. I think there's a lot of sex negativity in our culture even today, a lot of it. Yeah. So here's the thing, you know, you're not responsible for the social norms. We're not responsible for what gets put out there by like the mainstream media. We're not responsible for our, our parents or whoever taught us. But as an adult, you are responsible for questioning that and deciding consciously what works for you and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about sex positivity and sex negativity, not as like absolutes, like black and white, but on a spectrum, because I think that 
you can work towards sex positivity. You could have sex positive views in some areas, but in other areas, you can be quite sex negative or maybe still working towards it. Um, so it's not like, a, okay, check, I check the box. I'm, I, I am sex positive, positive, slap the label on me and go out into the world. Like I said at the beginning, it's an, it's an attitude. It's not, it's not a destination. Yeah. So I have seven aspects that I want to talk about. And I want the, the viewer and listener out there to think of each of these seven on a spectrum. And you can kind of like judge for yourself, measure for yourself uh, where you are on these. So the first one is kind of like I said, sex positivity is owning that you are a sexual being, like owning your sexuality and that that is part of you versus sex negative would be repressing it, just not even looking at it, denying that you are a sexual being, denying that you have pleasure spots and, and a, a sexual appetite. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's one. Two is questioning norms about sex and gender. Right, so sex positive people will question these things. They might accept some of them, some of the norms, and they might not accept others. But sex negativity is just blindly accepting everything, cultural norms about sex and gender. Mm -hmm. The third aspect is this concept of normal sex. So when you're in a more of a sex positive mindset, you don't really you reject the concept that there is a normal sex. In a sex negative mindset, you kind of reinforce that there is normal sex and that normal sex, I'm using air quotes, uh, is better sex, mm -hmm. right? So we don't want to, we don't want to use the word normal sex. Um, sex positivity is like we were just talking about embracing your authentic desires. So really asking yourself, well, what turns me on? What arouses me? What doesn't? And not trying to perform or not thinking like you have to like something. Um, it's really asking yourself in your body, hey, what do I like and what turns me on? And embracing that. Sex negativity is doing the opposite of that, but also it's actually judging and shaming other people's authentic desires. Now, remember, as long as everything is consensual here, you know, there's no need to judge and shame people for what they like. Like, it's really what, what business is it of yours, unless they're like coming onto you or violating some kind of boundary, what someone else likes uh, sexually. Exactly. Yeah. As long as it's two consenting adults, I would put the asterisks. Yes. There. Yes. Consensual yeah. it has to be consensual. That's, that's at yeah. the base of it. Mm -hmm. uh, the fifth, aspect is education and this one is a lot the one that people kind of conveniently avoid because <laughs> education is is a good education i would say it's hard to come by so in sex positivity a big piece of it is actually educate educating yourself on safer sex practices safer sex not necessarily safe sex but safer sex uh, there's a difference in those terms and then sex negativity is really not taking any time at all to learn about safer sex practices at all yeah um, which kind of goes with the ownership, right? If you're going to own your sexuality, you also need to own the practices to which you, how you, how you have that sex. Mm -hmm. The sixth aspect is with respect to body. And we talked about this last month, uh, in, on the podcast. So sex positivity says all bodies can be sexy bodies. All mm -hmm. sex negativity says only certain bodies can be sexy. And then finally, the seventh aspect on the spectrum is uh, having honest conversations about sex. So when you're embracing and acting in a sex positive way, you are able to have honest conversations about sex, um, which is what the workshops are all about. But really talking like we are, like Matt and I are here today about sex and sexuality, intimacy, all these things, honestly, authentically, um, and letting that be part of the conversation. Because like we said, it's a natural, normal part of your life. Sex negativity, on the other hand, is silencing people who talk about it. So policing, don't talk about that. <laughs> That's not appropriate. Yeah. Uh, 
or not doing it at all, just again, denying. So that's it. Those So sex positivity, as you can see, has a lot to it. It's not just about having a lot of sex. And I don't like when people throw that word as a way to say, oh, I'm sex positive just because this and like you're sex negative for not doing it. That's not what it's about at all. I, oh my God, I love, I love everything you just shared. That's so valuable. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because when I share my, my, my opinions and I've shared my opinions very candidly in the gay men's brotherhood. And there's, there, there's a contingent of people in our community that I think are in the shadow side of sex positivity. And it's like, if you're, if you, if you portray that you're not down with hookup culture, that they start shaming you as if like you're shaming them. And it's like, it's a projection, you know, like you're, you're just feeling shamed because you obviously are, something is going on inside yourself. Yeah. And for me, I don't do hookups. I, that's the demisexual part of me. And I honor that <clears throat> me sharing what is works for me is no, by no means taking anything away from you. Right. That's the key here. And I think that's the sex positivity for me. It's this area, this arena of, um, letting other people define what that means to them that's it mike dropped <laughs> that's, that's that's it let them define what sex positivity means to them right and what 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 is their authentic desires so what i see sex positivity as the absence of shame yes and the absence of projection right because when we aren't in shame we're not projecting onto people what we think they should be doing so it makes ourselves feel better you know what i mean so just own your shit own yep. own what makes you feel good own what makes you feel happy and um i wrote down some things so the ways that i practice sex positivity yes please share um, okay so i i honor what my body wants at all stops so sometimes my body wants things that are a little bit more kinky sometimes my body wants things that are a little bit more vanilla and they're both equally beautiful and equally valuable. So honoring what it is that your body wants. Um, I try not to shame people for their sexual desires. And if I do, because this still comes up for me when I see guys that are hypersexual and they only have this one domain, my ego gets activated. My higher self totally understands it. And it's like these guys, maybe they have a fear of intimacy or maybe they just prefer that. So I, I'm able to discern, yeah. but I try my best to monitor my judgments and monitor my shaming and let people be who they are. So that's an element. Um, I experiment with new things. I think sex positivity is a, that's a real strong part for me is it's like trying new things. Um, keeping an open mind um, is a big part of sex positivity for me. Um, I try not to let my fears decide how I show up sexually. So when I'm sex positive, I'm more in an area of allowing as opposed to um, letting my fears decide, I allow whatever, whatever I desire, like, let's explore it. Let's see what's there. Um, I ask for what I want. That's a, that's a interesting one for me. Why? <laughs> it brings up a lot of stuff. I don't know. I, some, for somewhere along the way, I, I, I learned, I think it's the people pleaser in me. Um, I learned that it's not okay to ask for what I want. And this has been a lot of the work I've done in the last few years. I'm I'm way more confident with it now. And I would say it's actually a skill that I've developed and, and learned how to master. Um, but I remember before, like things would be happening sexually that I didn't want and I wouldn't speak up um, yeah. or I wouldn't be like, hey, move to this er erogenous zone. Like this would feel better. I would just be like, you know, 
I don't know why. So anyways, asking for what I want is a big, big part of uh, my, been a big part of my growth. Um, I don't just do things because everyone else is doing them. Go figure, right? Like that's, that's, I used to do that. And now I'm like, oh no, that doesn't align with me. Like, you know, and that's the, that's the beauty of sex is it's so like expansive and vast and there's so many little subgroups and all these things right it's like why are we pigeonholing ourselves into these things and I see this as a lot in a lot of the people that I work with when I do work on like with sexual anxieties and things it's a lot of it is is a they're not following and aligning to what they actually want and they're doing things because they feel like they have to. And I see this a lot with guys that are, aren't interested in anal sex, but they do it because they feel like they have to. Um, and they define themselves as more sides. They're just not interested in anal. And um, so really just, yeah, get, get really a lot more confident with your desires and start to honor them because I think that's a big part. Um, this one's a huge one for me. So I realize that the frequency of sex that I have is not determine will not determine how sexually liberated or sex positive I am this is a huge one right because I yeah. think sexual frequency does not determine sexual liberation <laughs> okay let's get very clear on that because everybody has a different frequency they have a different aspect of what feels good for them so because you're banging five guys a week does not mean you're sexually liberated it actually can mean the opposite it can mm -hmm. mean you're completely terrified of anything other than that right and that's not liberation in my opinion so I had to bring voice to that because I've had to really get more honest with myself about my own frequency and when I was younger, I was very, very sexually active. And now I'm not as sexually active. And I'm I'm kind of holding out for really good partners that can come in and make me feel like what I'm looking to feel during during sex. So that takes time. Um, I bring in the four domains into my sexual experiences. Um, so this is one's quite unique, uh, I think, probably to more people that want sexual intimacy or intimacy, like the mental, emotional, spiritual and, and physical um, I don't do hookups and I honor that. That's part of my sex positivity. Um, and then the last thing is it, does it make me feel good? Um, and if it makes me feel good, then it's positive. It's sexually positive for me. Right. Um, and that's my list. I love that. Yeah. Um, one of them that I, so when you're saying asking for what I want, I think I, that hasn't been an issue for me. I think the way it, it manifests for me is like a slightly different version of it, which is hoping and expecting my partner to just know what I want. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. why don't you just do what I want you to do? But without me saying a word, of course, like he's supposed to just read my mind. Yeah. Right. And yeah. wanting that kind of partner. I, I definitely think that that's social, which is kind of the same thing, but like hoping like, Ooh, I hope he's going to do this to me or I hope he's yeah. going to let me do this to him. And it is like not actually saying it or not asking for it. And then, you know, judging that experience, even though I have not, I didn't have the courage to say anything, right? Yeah, I want to. I love that. I want to turn that on its head for a moment because I sh I share that with you. But think about it when like a guy says to me, and he's like, "Oh, you know what? I really love it when you stroke me this way," and like he gives me the, that data, and I'm able to take that data and go and do exactly what he wants, and I can create pleasure for him. That's amazing, yeah. right? That allows me to feel confident, sexually confident in giving someone pleasure. So we're giving somebody a gift when we when we communicate our desires to them. And I think that is a really important takeaway here. 
Yeah. 100%. And then you can always say no if it's not something that you are interested in. And that's Absolutely. the hard part. That's where I guess the people pleasing comes in is you're yeah. saying that you wouldn't say no. You'd be like, okay, I'm just <laughs> this thing, you know, I don't really want to. Yeah. Yeah. I would be okay saying no. Yeah. I have a question for you, actually. Yeah. How many times, or or actually, maybe I should say, have you ever like had sex when you didn't want to have sex? Oh, yeah. 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 Many. <laughs> yeah yeah me too <laughs> yeah not not recently but definitely in situations where like this is one of the things that I, when we talked about i did the kinder on grinder episode with pepper and yeah. we talked about this um those those experiences were like i would agree to do something and the guy would come over and then i'd be like oh fuck like i don't, yeah. I don't feel it like this is not happening but i was like oh shit like it was harder for me i guess it's people pleasing it was harder for me to say actually no could you please leave yeah uh than to just go through with it and get it done and just go on my way um so yeah that has usually been in those cases uh, when, it's, when i met someone online who maybe wasn't what i was expecting that's happened to me too and it's super uncomfortable and so that's one of the elements of intimacy which is radical honesty yeah right we gotta be radically honest and and communicate that this isn't something that i'm wanting uh because it's a betrayal to the body right? The body will harbor that as a trauma almost, or could harbor it as a trauma if you're do putting your body through something that it doesn't want to do uh, and bullying it with the mind saying, okay, we're just going to do this. It'll only take 30 yeah. minutes. We'll get it over with. It's that's very traumatic for the body. So we got to really get clear and, and start to communicate what it is that we want and don't want. Yeah. hundred percent. And now what I do is I don't agree to do anything with anyone online. I'm like, let's <laughs> meet first and then we'll decide. Smart. Meet first, yeah. and then I'll take it from there. Not not agreeing to do anything without meeting anyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else was I going to say? You had mentioned something else about sex positivity that I wanted to go back to. Um, yeah, asking for what you want. Um, okay, I guess I I guess that was frequency. It. Was it around the frequency? Because you lit up. Oh yes, yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes, everyone out there, <laughs> I'm going to repeat it. You can totally disentangle frequency of sex or number of partners with sex positivity. They have nothing to do with one another at all. I agree. Yeah. Someone who has zero sex whatsoever could be completely sex positive, And someone who has lots of sex with lots of people can be very sex negative. They have nothing to do with one another. Yeah, I fully yeah. agree. Thank yeah. you for the reminder. Yeah, I'm glad we disentangled <laughs> that because I, I see that so often in in the well just even in our brotherhood is is guys getting really activated when people say yep. that they're not interested in hookups and stuff like that. Yeah, so for sure. All right, Matt, is there any Anything else you want to add on this one before we uh, wrap up today? No, I'm excited uh, to unpack uh, the intimacy avoidance next week. So okay. yeah, stay tuned. All right, listener viewers. So thank you for tuning in. Um, if you like what you heard today, please leave us a review and give us five stars. Definitely tune in next week for the rest of this conversation where we're going to go deeper into intimacy avoidance and how to overcome fear of intimacy. Um, so again, check out the show notes to see how you can support the show. And please join us on the last Thursday of the month in the GMB Zoom Hangout. Thank you again to my lovely host, Matt, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.